Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. Again, thank you so much for being here. And if you missed the introduction stuff, our worship leader who normally is leading worship, his wife had a baby this morning at 7 o'clock. And so he called and uh, here I am. So if you're a guest, I normally don't welcome you and greet you and lead worship and preach and do everything. That is not what my intention is. I really kind of hate doing that. But uh, so those who typically lead are not here this morning. So it's been good to be here this morning. I hope you've enjoyed the the worship so far. I'm going to start this morning's sermon out this with just a, a a story of a pastor from Iran and hopefully you'll understand as I get going into uh, the message this morning of where we're headed but it says Lord the pastor prayed I cannot take any more of this questioning please release me from this Already the pastor had been in and out of prison and now he was called every two weeks by the secret police for interrogations. The interrogations were the same questions over and over, accusing the pastor of being a spy from the West. The next morning the pastor was again to go to meet the secret police headquarters and he asked his church members to pray that God would provide him a way out. I see you here, said the officer, taking him into the questioning room. Before they could begin the questioning, however, the tape recorder sitting on the table exploded. Flames came out of it, and it was obvious it would never work again. What are you doing, the guard asked angrily, seeing the slight smile in the the pastor's eyes. I am praying for you, the pastor answered. You are not fighting against me, you are fighting against God, you cannot win against him. Go home, the officer yelled, and the pastor quickly left. He ran into his house and asked his wife, what happened? Three older ladies from the church came here, she said. We gathered around and joined hands in prayer for you. That God would protect you from the interrogation. When they further discussed the two incidents, they found that the time the women had gathered for prayer was exactly the time the tape recorder had exploded. I share that story with you this morning, and I'll share a couple others, just kind of generalities. But as I was studying this morning, getting ready to get into my my text and into the passage, I was looking at the kind of some of the theme and the heart behind the passage of scripture, and and I started to think of the word hopeless. And as we as we look. We're going to look at the the passage and the story in John chapter 11 of Lazarus who was dying and who eventually died and they called out for Jesus. But the ladies who were there, Martha and Mary and the family that was around and the friends, they were just kind of hopeless and they went and they sought out Jesus. And as I was looking at that that idea and I was talking or thinking through some of that, I I just grabbed a couple books that I had, and that particular book just gives story after story. A lot of them have been martyrs and some of them other things. But, but as I was looking through there, and then I went to another book, and the other book that I was reading, and again, I'm not going to read all the stories, but I was just looking and I was reading page after page in this other book, and most of them was all about orphans. 
The book itself was Orphans Out of Africa. But these kids and these children that would be raised and many of their parents who had died due to the AIDS virus and the epidemic that has taken place there in in Africa. And many of these children who would be left basically to fend for themselves. Five, six, and seven-year-old children being parents to their two and three and four-year-old brothers and sisters. And I started thinking of just the hopelessness of, of so many people. Of what can I do? Where do I turn? What does a six-year-old do when left basically to themselves? I can't imagine. I have a nine, a seven, a five, and a three-year-old. I cannot imagine my nine-year-old being the parent to the other three. That's a scary, scary situation. But here they are, hopeless. And then I'm looking at the passage of Scripture that we're looking at today, and, and I start thinking of the ideas, and I start thinking of the, the, the thoughts of this passage, and I'll promise you the, the, the goal and the idea of this sermon is not hopeless, and it's not just kind of gloom, gloom and doom, and that's not what it is at all. But in those stories, and even in this gentleman's story, over and over, every two weeks, having to go and face these people who watch him and who spy on him and who think he is something that he's not, and, and go through this process at any point in time they could walk into his church or into his home and, and kill him or take him or any of those things, and the, the hopelessness that comes out of some of that thing, or some of those things. Understanding, yes, he was a pastor, and I, he has hope in who Christ is, but just that Oh, come on, God. And as I was studying, and as I was reading, I just started thinking, why do we have hope? Why do we have hope? And we sang about it. We sang about the hope that we have. He is Savior. And he's not the Savior just to a group of people, but he is my Savior. He is an individual Savior to me. He is is something to me personally. And in that, I have a hope when I was hopeless. And in the stories of some of these children that are the the orphans, it's a story written by a, a missionary who has orphans or orphanages in Africa and and he's writing stories about these different individuals but but a lot of these kids who thought they had no hope found hope in in a Christian man from America who went to finance orphans or orphanages there and these children who never had hope who didn't know where food was going to come who would would drink out of water that was was bad for them who would eventually caused them to die and and all of the different things and we know some of that but they had no hope and this morning the really the the excitement or the joy or the 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 thing of this morning's passage or the thing of this morning's message is just that is we have a hope we have a hope because we serve a risen savior and I kind of spoke to that in some of the songs there We have a hope because the God that we have put our faith and trust in 
Because Jesus Christ came and walked that perfect life and and died on that cross and rose again three days later, we have hope. I have hope that this, what I have on this earth, is not all that there is. I have hope and family members that I've seen gone on to glory that I will see them again because they know Jesus Christ as Savior. I have hope, though I have no idea who this gentleman was that I presented or preached a sermon for on Friday morning, but I have hope that I will one day get to meet Bob and shake his hand and share with him the honor that it was to present the gospel to his family and for him. I have hope that when things aren't what I think they should be, That the God who I serve has it all planned out long before any of that would ever have taken place. And so this morning we're going to get into John chapter 11. And if you were with us last week, it's going to be in some regards similar in that I'm I'm not taking each individual verse by verse and kind of dissecting all of it. I'm going to kind of share the story and then at the end I'm going to give you a couple quick points that we can apply and we'll head out of here this morning. But... As we look at this passage of scripture, the the story of Lazarus starts in John chapter 11 and verse number 1 and it goes all the way through 44. And I'm not going to read all of that this morning, but as we get into this, we look at this in the very beginning of this passage of scripture, it says in verse number 1, now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Again, many of you would be familiar with this passage of Scripture. You'd be familiar with the story, but... But we see Mary and Martha, and then there was others that had gathered there. But Mary and Martha had came to a place, and, and they got to a position. They said, I don't know what to do. And we don't know the illness that Lazarus was facing. We don't know if it was something that came suddenly. I don't know if it was a flu that had came pneumonia that came to whatever. We don't really know that. And as, as you study, it's not there. It doesn't tell us a specific thing. But Mary and Martha knew something was not right. And so Mary and Martha, they went to a messenger, they went and they grabbed somebody and they said, hey, you've got to go find Jesus, he's over in this area and you've got to go and you've got to take that journey, basically it was a one day journey. And you've got to let Jesus know that his friend, Lazarus, is sick and he needs to come back. Again, those, that messenger left, leaves to go find Jesus and comes and he gives the, 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 the message to, to Jesus and it says in verse 3 that behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. They find Jesus and they let him know, hey, Lazarus, the guy that you love, the, the, the friend, that, the family friend, it's very, throughout the studies and things, they were a close-knit, I don't know what your family situation is, but that person that you would go to kind of outside your family that's always there, the when you're growing up, kind of the brother that's not a brother or a sister that's not really a sister or the son or daughter that just happens to show up at your house at 8 o'clock and says, hey, I'm hungry and goes into your refrigerator. That's kind of who Jesus was to Lazarus and the family there. 
But nonetheless, they go and this messenger finds Jesus and they let Jesus know. And Jesus says this in verse number four. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. So we, we, we kind of come along. Jesus now knows that, that Lazarus is sick. And by this time, based on the timeline of everything that I've studied, it, Jesus, Lazarus had already died. It says that Lazarus was in the grave for four days. Took a day's journey for the gentleman to get to Jesus. Jesus hung out for two days, and then Jesus took a day's journey to go back. Jesus finds Lazarus dead. It is very likely not too long after the messenger left that that Lazarus had passed. But Jesus, when he hears this, Jesus looks at this gentleman and he says, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And basically, he says, go on your way. (laughs) Hey, I've given you, here's the good news. This isn't unto death. Now go back and tell Mary and Martha that everything's going to be okay. So Mary and Martha are sitting at home, and I can imagine, again, that this time, Lazarus has already passed. Lazarus is gone, and they're they're beginning the whole process of putting Lazarus in the tomb and and getting Lazarus prepared for a funeral service that would be traditional in a Jewish culture. And Jesus says, hey, I'm going to hang out here for a couple more days. And so Mary and Martha are probably looking out the window and they're probably waiting to see the messenger and they're probably hoping to see Jesus right alongside this messenger. And there is no Jesus alongside of this messenger. It's just him. And so I don't know how that conversation went with, the, with uh, Mary and Martha, but the messenger comes back and she's, he says, hey, Jesus said this is not of death. And they're looking at, her, looking at this messenger going, wait a second, it's not of death. He's already dead. We've already put him in the grave. And the guy, I don't know if he just kind of bowed his head, if he walked away. I don't know if he was a part of the family. I don't know any of that stuff, but... Jesus is hanging out. It doesn't say what Jesus did for those couple days. But Jesus then comes and he goes to the disciples in verse number 7. And he says, hey, let us go to Judea. And at this time the disciples are like, man, we've followed you. We've done a lot of stuff with you, but you have lost your mind. Because if you go to the next passage, his disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Hey, Jesus, do you not remember the last time we were there? They picked up the stones and you were running. They were out to kill you. They're trying to kill you. They're hunting for you. We can't go back to Judea. We're all dead. Jesus, in verse 9, answers, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. 
If we look at those verses 9 and 10, and I'm going to do this quickly, but if we look at 9 and 10 just briefly, Jesus is just, he's not just saying, hey, there's 12 hours in a day. He's relating to himself. Listen, I'm here for but a short time. And I've got a little bit of time to do the work that God has sent me. And when, when it's time for me to go, it'll be time for me to go. Basically saying, listen, if I go there and it's time for me to die, then I'll die. Otherwise, let's go. Now, the disciples didn't fully grasp that. And if you've ever read the book of John at all, you'll see a lot of different times where Jesus has to go back and kind of restate himself. And he'll do that here in just a second. But Jesus is letting them know, listen, and it's the same for you and I. It was mentioned, Ben mentioned that this morning in our Sunday school class. Hey, when it's my time, it's my time. Whether good health, bad health, whatever it is, when God calls our ticket, it's, it, our ticket has been called. But Jesus is basically saying, listen, hey, I've got this period of time. And when it's my time to go, it's my time to go, God will call me. But up until then, we got to do the business. We got to do, I'm here to do the work of my father is what he said. And so as he keeps on going, it says, as we continue on in verse 11, our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of the sleep. And, and the disciples say, uh, Lord, if he is asleep, he shall do well. God, if he's sleeping, then let him sleep. We're all supposed to sleep when we get sick, right? When we, at least I sleep when I'm sick, but we sleep. Hey, and when he gets up, he'll be a little bit better. He'll feel better. Jesus says, listen, guys, you're missing the boat. And he says in verse 13, Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking a rest and sleep. In verse 14, Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Listen, Lazarus is dead. He looks at the disciples and he's, you don't get it. He's not sleeping, taking a nap. Lazarus is dead. And so he continues on and and he's letting them know in verse 15, And I am glad for your sake that I was not there to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Hey, he was letting them know, I am glad I wasn't there. Basically because if he was there, they wouldn't have believed. If if Jesus was there, then nobody else would have believed. And we don't know the exact reason for why there was four days in between, and we don't know the exact situation and circumstance there. But what we do know through the study and through all the different things, if you think about this, every time Jesus performed a miracle, the Pharisees did what? They tried to counteract and think of how it really didn't happen. Well, Jesus really didn't do that. So if Jesus was there, they would have just said, oh, well, Jesus just resurrected. He just gave him a little mouth to mouth and he brought him back to life. He wasn't really dead. But after four days, dude is dead. He is gone. And we'll see later. They say, listen, we can't move that stone. He stinketh. It already stinks in there. Jesus was kind of proving a point. But in this passage of Scripture, it says right there in that verse 15, to the intent ye may believe. His whole idea and his whole goal was that others would believe because of who he was. And so he said it right there that ye may believe. And he said, now let go, let's go. And in verse 16, we see Thomas, who is doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas kind of asks the question, and he kind of follows up. And 
And he says, which is called Didymus, unto, unto his fellow disciples in verse 16, let us also go that we may die with him. He's like, hey, we all may go down together. He's going, let's go, and we'll all just go together. You know that guy? I don't know if, if Thomas was just being a smart aleck. I don't know if Thomas was being the doubting Thomas that he was, and that's kind of what his name was. But he said, hey, uh, Jesus is going to go and die, so we might as well go and die with him. If the plane's going down, we're all going down with it. And there was Thomas. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs. Again, it's that about a one day's journey. And so as we continue to go, Mary and Martha, we, we see in verse 19, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brothers. So they had their family and their friends. And then Martha heard that Jesus was coming and, and Martha ran out there to meet Jesus in verse 21 and says, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. And let me just say this, this isn't Martha being nasty to Jesus saying, listen, Jesus, if you'd only been here. Because if you go to the next verse, she states, but I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. How powerful is that? Martha running, as Mary always is, sitting back. Silent, quiet, just solemn. Martha going and running out. Runs into Jesus and says, Jesus, if you'd have been there, he'd still be alive. He wouldn't have died. But God, listen, God, I know that it, whatever you say, whatever you ask can be done. So she was still, and I don't, it doesn't really record much beyond that, but she still, she went running after him and she said, but God, I trust you and you have this thing with him. And there's, he, she understood the relationship between Jesus and the father. And she said, but Jesus, whatever it is that you ask, I know that he will do it. I trust that when you say he will do it. And maybe she said, well, God, why don't you ask him to raise him from the dead? Why don't you, I don't know what that conversation was. But as we kind of continue on, she, she mentions the faith. She gave faith, and in 23, Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. And Martha saith unto him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She said, I know. I know that in the end, when, when the saints will go and we'll all rise together, I understand that. And he stops in this passage of Scripture here, and we'll kind of spend a couple minutes here, but Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And he looks at Martha and he says, Do you believe this? Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. 
We look at this passage in verse 25, and many of us have heard it, and we've read it, and it's something that's a familiar passage of Scripture, but, but Jesus tells her in verse 23, thy brother will rise again. Listen, Lazarus is going to come again, and she says, I know at the end he will rise, and she kind of stops, or Jesus kind of stops and says, time out, I want you to, uh, just, just listen to me for a second. I am the resurrection. Hey, wait, it's not that he will rise someday, he personally comes and says, listen, Martha, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Not I will be the resurrection or I will be the life. She's, or he's standing there right in front of Martha. and He kind of takes a doctrine that's known throughout Scripture and makes it real personal to her. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm not going to be one day, but I, in the present, standing in front of you, am the resurrection. I am that one. Just like he has said before, he is the shepherd and, and he is the gate and he is the door and I am the different thing, all the different I am's that Jesus is. But he stands directly in front of her and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. How many of you want to go to the doctor? Well, none of us want to go to the doctor. But if you have a doctor's appointment tomorrow, you're sick, you got to go to the doctor and the doctor looks at you and says, hey, well, um, I really don't know what to tell you, but here's a book and it tells all the symptoms and then at the end it'll show you some things that you can do to help it. Here you go. Now go on your way. You're going to go, well, no, I didn't come to the doctor to learn what I've already read online. I know my symptoms. That's why I called you. You're going to go to the doctor and you're going to want something to happen. You're going to need some medication or you're going to need some form of treatment. Jesus took what was in the book, that the resurrection at the end, and he said, listen, I am right now. I am the doctor that's coming and I'm giving you the treatment that you need right now. You don't go to the law office so that you can learn law. You go to the law office so that somebody will represent you and be your lawyer to help you. Anybody can study it. I can study the law. That's not what I'm after. I need somebody to represent me. I'm in trouble. I need a lawyer. I don't, but... Jesus takes what was in the book. He took the law. He took the doctrine. And he said, hey... I am that. Hey, Martha, I'm glad that you came and you were begging me, God, if you were only here four days ago, he would never have died and, and all of those things. And he just stopped. Time out. I am the resurrection and the life. And he just stops. And he makes it personal to Martha. He makes it personal to the situation, just like he has made it personal to many of us that sit in this room in our hopeless situation, in a time when we didn't know what was going on, what was up, what was down. We didn't know what was left and right, and we, we were in a hopeless situation, and all of a sudden, Jesus showed up in our lives, and Jesus came, and it wasn't just something that we saw in a book. It wasn't something that we had in our head, but all of a sudden, I am the resurrection came into our life, and we go, oh, that's what it is. 
That's what it is. It's not just something that I read about. It's not something that somebody told me about. This is real. Jesus is the resurrection. I don't have to live that way. I don't have to do those things. I don't have to live hopelessly. I have the real deal right in front of me. I don't have to be that no more. Jesus took that and he gave that to Martha. And though he hadn't healed Lazarus just yet, he kind of gave her the, 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 the inkling of it. And then Mary comes and says the same thing. Master, or in 28, called Mary secretly and saying, the master has come and calleth for thee. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him and Verse 30, now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house, and comforted her. When they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep. So the people that was with her thought she was just going back to the graveside to just weep. And in the Jewish culture, they have seven days after the after you've put somebody in the grave, you have seven days of mourning. And so they were just kind of going, hey, this is just what they do. They'll go to the grave and we'll sit back and we'll let them do that. And, and that's kind of part of their culture. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. And I'll just say this, everywhere you see Mary in the Bible, Mary is falling at Jesus' feet to worship. And this is the only thing that they have scripture or written that Mary said. Martha's got a lot to say, if you didn't notice. But Mary doesn't really say much. And again, 32, when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. In verse 35 it says, Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. They recognized the love that Jesus had for the family. The love that Jesus had for for Lazarus. And as we go through this passage, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but as we look at this idea that Jesus wept, there was a couple phrases there. Up prior to that it says that... Mary was weeping, which is a wailing, which is a ah, weeping. If you have a three-year-old kid, you've heard that before. If you have a one-year-old kid, whatever. But the Jesus wept was literally an inner groaning, just that deep hurt pain that was inside of him. And Jesus was hurting for the people not just for Lazarus. And so we continue on. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. In verse 40, Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, there's that word again, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Here's what's neat. Jesus had already prayed that Lazarus would raise. 
And as I was studying, it kind of gave a couple different ideas of when that prayer may have been. And, and some of them think it, thought it goes back to verse 4 when, when he said, The sickness is not unto death. But, but nonetheless, Jesus stands here and says, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it. Again, he was speaking so that the people would hear him speaking to his father and giving his father glory and going back to that. And then he says that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus spoke, and then when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus. Come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, Loose him and let him go. As we wrap up this morning, I've got three very, very quick points. I'm not going to labor any of this, but as we look at this idea this morning, the very first point is this hopeless. We saw and we read just a brief story of an Iranian pastor who was been put under persecution over and over and over again, who is hopeless in many situations. We see see here a story of Martha and Mary who were without hope. They had nothing to hope in. Their brother had died. He was laying there for four days. No one that was there believed or thought Jesus was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Nobody thought that. The disciples didn't think that. Nobody that was there thought that. But he says it over and over that he would do it so that they would, what? believe in who he was. I would assume that Mary and Martha thought that there was hopeless, it was hopeless. We know as we look through Scripture, I would assume that the lady that had the issue of blood in Matthew chapter 9 that the doctors had no cure for thought she was hopeless. I would assume that the blind man that we spoke of last week who thought, I'm assuming that he thought things were hopeless and that he would live the rest of his life blind and begging there in the same spot that he, he, he went to on a regular basis. I would assume the demon-possessed man in Mark chapter 5 thought hope was lost. I would assume that the woman at the well in John chapter 4 who would never gain respect again or never have relationships again thought that she was hopeless. Listen to me this morning as we hit this point. When we encounter Christ, we have hope. If Jesus Christ has the power to speak to death and make it flee, if he has the power to speak to the wind and calm the storm, if he has the power to speak to the blind eye and bring sight, what thing in my life or in your life does he not have power over? What is that? There is nothing that he doesn't have power over. There is nothing that we can't take to Jesus Christ. We have no reason to live our lives hopeless. We have no reason to think, oh, poor me. If Jesus can raise the dead, then Jesus can help me when I'm financially hurt. If Jesus can take and make a little clay and put it on somebody's eye and say, go wash it in the pool, he can take me not having a job and help me out. He can take my health situation and help me out. He can take the brokenness within my home and he can fix it. He can take all of those things. Why? Because he is all of that. There is no reason for us to live hopeless. There is no reason for us to live down and out. There's none of that. What can he not handle in our life? 
What problem do you have? What marriage problem? What financial problem? What job issue? What child problem? What health issue? Here is what's exciting with this idea of hope. We have this because He is not dead. There is hope in our Savior because He is the resurrection. He is the hope for the hopeless. He is the Father to the fatherless. The next thought here is this. He is the conqueror. There is no greater thing in our society than death. Death grips each and every one of us. It does. We all have a life sentence. We are all right there. And I know we don't like to talk about it, and I, don't, I know we don't, it's not just the jovial thing that we can discuss, but reality is all of us. It's pretty much 100% in this room, we're going to go. The only way we're not is if God comes back before that time happens. And you know Christ is your Savior and you will meet Him in the cloud. But here's what's awesome. In John chapter 14, Jesus is talking to the disciples. And Jesus looks at them and He basically has let them know that He is about to die. And I don't know if I wrote that passage. Yes, I did. John 14, 29. In John 14, in verse number 29, he says, And now I have told you before it came to pass, that when it is come to pass, ye might believe. He looks at the disciples and he says, Listen, I'm telling you all of this so that when it happens, you will believe. And here's what he's telling them. I'm going to die and I'm going to come back. How about that? I love sports. How many of you are angry with the mountain ridge thing? Man, that's bogus. It's double elimination. Anyway, that's a whole other story. But at any rate, here's what we've, you've all seen the story. Babe Ruth points the home run, then he hits a home run. That's cool. We, we listen to people and they kind of, well, you know, Our team, we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. Guaranteed. Okay. You know, if they win the Super Bowl, that's pretty cool that they said and they predicted that they were going to win the Super Bowl. Right on. Jesus Christ said, hey, I'm going to die. Okay, we're all going to do that. Hey, time out. I'm going to die, and then I'm going to go to the tomb, and in three days I'm going to come back, and I'm going to hang out with you for just a few minutes. I'm going to do it so that you will believe. That's pretty awesome. And not only did he say it, then he did it. It's one thing to say and stand in the batter's box and go, oh, I'm going to hit a home run and then hit a home run. It's another thing to say, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise from the grave, and then I'm going to come back and then here's what it is. And you're going to believe in it. Jesus died, came back to life, rose from the grave so that we would believe so that the others that saw him would believe. And and Christianity took off. Why did Christianity take off? Why did people believe? Because after he rose from the grave, he hung out with and saw more than 500 people. You and I can't say that. No other man can say that. No other God who claims to be God can say that. 
nobody. He is the conqueror. So we don't have to be hopeless. He is the conqueror, so I don't have to live in such a manner. It's been said that we are all terminal. Some just know it more than others. Again, in verses 24 and 25, he lets us know that he is the resurrection and the life. We... We get excited over stuff. Probably doesn't matter. I've shared my passion of sports. I get excited about my teams when they win, though the teams that I cheer for don't win often. I get excited about those things. I get excited about my children. I get excited when things take place here and things that are going on. I'm excited for some of the things that God's doing here at Oasis. But you know what? There's something that I should get so excited about that should radically change who I am and every single asset and facet of my life is that I serve the God who is the resurrection, who's conquered death. And the sad thing is there's people all around our world that are blowing themselves up because they believe in a God who is not real. While we sit in a church and go, well... I don't know if I should tell that guy because he may make fun of me. There's people all around this world. We're in wars all around the world, and I don't bring this stuff up often, but over a false God who claims to be something that he's not. While we serve the only true God, the only one who's ever risen from the dead, the only one who's ever raised anybody else from the dead, and we sit back and go, well... That was a pretty good service. Good job, Pastor. I'll see you next Sunday. And it makes no impact in our lives. Because we live hopeless lives for no reason. We have hope because He is the conqueror, which takes us to the next point, which gives me freedom. What did Jesus say to Lazarus? And it says that He he said, Lazarus, come forth, and when He... Um, And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. Listen, all of us that know Jesus Christ today were at one point in time bound hand and foot to the sins which shackled us up. And when Jesus saved us and we came to the realization and we give our lives to Jesus, he broke the chains just the same way that he did for Lazarus. And when Lazarus, they said, what? Take those clothes off. Take the wrappings off. He is now free. Listen, freedom isn't I get to do whatever I want. Freedom isn't now that I'm 21 years old, I can go live it up. Freedom isn't, I don't know if there's any teenagers in here, but listen, teenager, if you are in here, young adults, whatever, freedom isn't I can do anything that I want. When I'm 18, I get to leave the house. I can go smoke and drink and party and do all these things. Here's what that's not. It's not freedom. Why? Because when you want to stop, you can't. That's not freedom. There's no freedom in sin. It shackles us. It binds us. It it holds us. And when we think we want to be done and we think we, ah, I've had enough, we're at stage one. We're hopeless. 
because we're bound by sin. Jesus says there's no reason to be hopeless. I am the resurrection. There's no reason to live that way. I am the conqueror. I am that for you so that you can live with hope and you can be free. We live in the greatest country in the world because of one simple word, freedom. That's really it. We have freedoms that nobody else in this world has for the the most part. That's what makes this one of the, the greatest country in the world. But all of that costs. For our country to be free, it costs the blood that's been shed. For you and me to be free spiritually, it's cost the blood to be shed. Listen, this morning I'm done. I am the resurrection and the life. Church, individual, I get this morning wasn't the greatest theological, in-depth type of a thought. Maybe it was something you'd go, man, that should be preached on Easter. This is kind of an Easter sermon. If we could grasp a hold of the fact that we serve the I am of the resurrection, at the end of that statement, what did he say? He looked at Martha and he said, do you believe? Church, let me ask you, do you believe? Not do you believe that there's a God out there somewhere. No, do you believe? Because when, they, when Martha said, I believe, she stated it with, I believe thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And she stated it a specific way as to let everybody know, I believed, I believe, and I will for always believe. Do you believe? I am the resurrection and the life. There's no reason to live hopeless because we have all the hope that we'll ever need. There's no reason to live hopeless because he is the conqueror. There's no need to live hopeless because he has given us the freedom that we need in him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.